you're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings, these conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome back to This Osteopathic Life in an episode of Conversations for the Health of All Things. Today, I am joined by Dr. Mel Friedman, an osteopathic physician specializing in OMM located in San Mateo. He is the author of Where Spirit Touches Matter, A Journey Toward Wholeness, sharing his story of his experience with his mother, a fellow physician, and exploring how osteopathy became the fulcrum of his life. Thank you for being here and sharing your story with us here today. Thank you. It's a great honor. Well, as we begin, I'd love to hear your story into the practice of medicine and into your specialty. Yeah, well, my story started at a very young age because um, my mother, who, who from a earliest time was my greatest inspiration, and was a Russian Jewish immigrant that uh, came over at a time when when um, people actually couldn't even get into the United States and. She grew up in Mexico, and Spanish was her first language, and eventually went all the way through medical school in Mexico until she came, then a second time, immigrated again to Los Angeles, which is where she met my father. And um, and then in those days when she was first in her class with two women and 800 men in 1945, and a lot of prejudice, a lot of difficulty being a woman, uh, especially in medicine, but in general, and had a lot to teach me about medicine and life. And I loved all of it from, I decided I wanted to be a doctor at the age of three. Mm-hmm. And then um, at the age of nine, set out on my life path to to want to be at the time, a psychiatrist. So mm-hmm. that was always my driving force was to go to medical school and be a psychiatrist. And that lasted all the way through, you know, growing up in the 60s and then uh, learning about the human potential movement and mind-body connections of those days, you know, was early times for that. And that's what made me want to go into this field of osteopathy, which I didn't know anything about being from California, but knew that there was this element of touch, which for me was touching person to person. Uh, that's all I really knew what it was. I didn't know anything about what an osteopath would do. But the element of touch, as opposed to even psychiatry itself, the model of of um, being somehow separate and throwing some sort of process at a person or the person who's lesser than or separate than, um, I wouldn't even know where osteopathy would have taken me. But there was something innately missing in allopathic medicine for me. So I went into osteopathy to, to osteopathic school to discover psychiatry. And that lasted until I ended up at my dream location, which was the Menninger Foundation in Topeka, Kansas, starting psychiatry. 
and immediately was my first big crisis in medical school, which was that um, it was devoid of spirit. And the, I, the biopharmacological model, um, the idea that people were here on earth for a reason, um, that there was a spirit and that there was an emotional life that transcended molecular biology. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then that changed the course of my career for the first time. And I went to, um, I went back to, you know, back to my rotations and struggled with that and, and eventually ended up in family practice. So that's, that's how I began my career, still mm-hmm. not knowing anything about osteopathy, but becoming a family doctor in the days before HMOs and uh, what, what we have today. Um, and the hospitalist, the surgeon, the obstetrician, the call doctor, um, the family doctor was all those things in those days. And I didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. So in a fit of desperation, uh, you know, at a moment that was probably the most life-changing time for me, um, I was around this time of year, actually. So it was um, during the high holidays for the Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to Temple Desperate, trying to find out what direction my life would take and hoping for some inspiration. And there was this, a story that was told that night that changed my life, which is that um, my favorite sage um, was a story about him, Rabbi Zusia, who... Um, lived in Ukraine and where my mother was from in um, the 1700s. And the story, you know, it's going to be a good one because it starts out that Rabbi Zusia dies. So it's going to be a good story. So Rabbi Zusia dies and he's at the pearly gates. And the story is that he stands in the pearly gates and he's met by an angel and the angel asks a question. And the, and the question determines his fate. And the question was, you know, if you were the angel and in front of you stood a perfect person, what question could you ask a knowingly perfect person that would determine whether what their future would be, whether they got to go into heaven or elsewhere? And for example... The angel says, Rabbi Zusia, how come you were not like Gandhi? Well, I, I actually didn't have much compassion for people. Or well, Rabbi Zusia, how come you weren't like Einstein? Actually, I, I wasn't that intelligent. And Rabbi Zusia, how come, um, you know, you weren't like Jesus, you know, and well, actually I didn't. I wasn't that kind. I didn't, I I didn't have a heart centered approach to living and it goes on and on and on. And then the question gets posed, Rabbi Zusa, just like the rest of us, doesn't get asked any of those questions. There's really only one question and everybody has to answer this question. And the question is, Rabbi Zusa, how come you weren't yourself? Mm -hmm. And the, the explanation of that is we don't know fully why we're given the gift of life and we don't know what our potential is and we don't, and our judgment is not based on anything other than did we live up to our potential? 
or did we squander the opportunity of the gift of living? Mm-hmm. And when I walked out of the the temple that night, I was in shock because I I said I, I was clueless about the meaning of my life really at all. And the next day, it turned out that I was with my brother on a motorcycle, and we we had a um, we weren't we weren't uh, doing anything really crazy, but we fell on the motorcycle, mm. and my brother was face down on the pavement, bleeding, and I couldn't move the upper half of my body, and mm. and we were up on a near here where where we live on a um, on a mountain road. And I remember the thought that came in and said, you know, 15 more feet and we would have gone off a cliff and I would be being asked by the angel, mm-hmm. now were you yourself? And right then I said, if I, I don't know what's wrong with me, but if, if I survive this, knowingly that I'd never loved, Medical school, you you have the ability to answer multiple choice you know questions. My parents paid for it. Um, I really had accomplished nothing in my life, Mm -hmm. and I was not going to get admission towards um, uh, continued destiny towards God. And Mm -hmm. um, and I said, if I live through this, I'm going to go into work. At the soonest possible time, I'm going to quit medicine and I'm going to practice osteopathy, which I really knew nothing about. And that's what I did. I, I so I ended up having several fractures, and um, they were going to heal. And I went into work three days later and and announced that I was quitting medicine. And two months later, would open up an OMT practice of which I knew nothing about. I didn't know, I didn't do any OMT. All I knew is that. In my allopathic life, we say as an osteopath and, and then even allopathically that um, then was a little more, more now a little, little more hip to say that and maybe now more ordinary that we have mind, bodies, and spirits. Mm-hmm. But I realized I knew nothing about the spirit or to how to service or address this in my patients or myself. And that was the great missing piece mm-hmm. from my life. And that the rest of my life would be the pursuit of the spiritual and the incorporation of uh, spirit into perceiving um, what I've come to feel is the suffering of humanity, which is the underlying and, and commonality of all suffering, which is homesickness. Mm-hmm. And it's the homesickness of of the exodus that we all have from coming from spirit and then being lost in a material world where we long uh to go home mm-hmm. and healing um partly is a function of remembering um our source and mm-hmm. and, and then when i started getting into osteopathy and finding out that um which took it to the next level that mind, body, and spirit was fundamental principle of osteopathy. And not only that there was a mind and a body and a spirit, but 
what did it possibly mean, which has been my lifetime pursuit, that there's a mind and a body and a spirit, but it's one unit of function, mm-hmm. not three aspects of one. Right. But when you have your hands on somebody, the space between your hands is one unit of function that's mind, body, and spirit. And I didn't know what that was. And I didn't know what the palpatory experience of that was. And, um, and I believe that that was the direction I wanted to go. Is how do you realize that experience of unity of function? And what place does that have in, um, in suffering when, when there's some woundedness or, or um, lack of expression? Of, of the singular um, um, singular manifestation of, of uh, one unit of function in mind, body, and spirit. And that began my pursuit of osteopathy. And, you know, I started very mechanically. I was recreating a whole education and mechanically and did um, forceful maneuvers and mm-hmm. learned to back off. And ultimately, uh, about 12 years later, um, after after a lifetime of study of spirituality and um, you know mystic mysticism and is when I um, met my greatest teacher who was Jim Jealous who was not only able to express a lot of my hunger as an expression of osteopathy but also was able to field all my questions from various sources and traditions. Um, to integrate them all and be able to perceive um, what I was searching for from all the sources, but also to have that reflect and mirror in osteopathy. And then my life really began. That, that was the beginning of a, a real spiritual life for me and, and, um, and, and an osteopathic life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it went on from there between that and family and being a father and, you know, raising kids and, and then traveling, I, I've traveled multiple times to India on pilgrimage, and then my life began to reflect a spiritual life, and then that permeated into osteopathy, and then the osteopathy became, you know, my the um, where my service was, which, you know, for me, um, serving serving selflessly is um, is the greatest path, and. Um, and so then osteopathy became my spiritual practice and my learning became the basis of being able to perceive where wounds were in other people or even how to hold um, the meaning of suffering in, in, a, in a human life. So it all started coming together, you know, at, the, at that point. And, um, and it's a lifetime pursuit, you know, it never ends. We, we refine and we get more sensitive, hopefully, along the way beginning from that age of three and i'm curious so you mentioned your mother's training which was in the allopathic world entirely it sounds like you know an md but also as your greatest mentor first mentor what do you see in her as an osteopath and we talked before we started recording right that you know osteopathic principles aren't you know relegated to do's in that practice so i'm curious what you saw in her you know as an osteopath of the soul perhaps you know what what was there for her you know, I think the, there's a, f- a few things, and as, as the older I get, it, it only gets more profound for me. So one of the things about my mother 
was that she always said, um, you know, knowing at a young age that I, that I, um, you know, wanted to, to follow after her, that um, she used to say, Mel, you know, you're not special. Mm-hmm. You are educated. And your humanity takes precedence over all aspects of education. And ultimately, at the end of our days, um, we're judged as people, you know, not as physicians. And if anything, physicians are predisposed to making mistakes because we were only so educated or intelligent or well-rested or uh, care about somebody or but we have an education that puts us in a, in a privileged position of where somebody is seeking comfort because of that education and not because you're special. And then the next day, their education, the very person you treated today, tomorrow might be the person to fix your flat tire and you're mm-hmm. totally dependent on them. Tomorrow, they're the educated one. Right. So it, it set a context for the honor of being able to practice as a physician and to do service um, and not because of identity or position or prestige. And, mm-hmm. and that selflessness and being of service um, were the most important qualities to, to develop um, you know, in life, but also as, as a physician. She, she used to say that to be... Um, a good person would give you the best opportunity to be a good doctor and a good person and a happy and rewarded person. But if you're a bad person, you're going to be a bad person and a bad doctor. That's for sure. And so the other part about this was that the requirement of the practitioner to evolve and aspire to some form of destiny or self-evolution and the fact that healing was a function of relationship mm-hmm. and that the, the practitioner doesn't throw healing at a patient, but there's something that evolves through the engagement of the doctor and the patient because they see the humanity in each other. Mm-hmm. And that is something that was what I felt as a family doctor, but then in osteopathy, the idea that if anything, our education uh, establishes a fulcrum that that we're, we ourselves are an instrument that um, supports a fulcrum or um, maintains a fulcrum or supports another person through our engagement with them and both parties are necessary for something else to come through. Mm -hmm. And the idea that um, all of us, our patients come for help, but for all of us, we're really on the same path to to realize something that we're not fully aware of. And and we help each other. And so um, in that regard, um, my... She taught me that that um, one of the most um, uh, fundamental skills of the physician is to be humble and mm-hmm. and to um, uh, to realize that um, 
not to be special, but to be honored, to mm -hmm. uh, to be of service, and then to let the service take the role of purpose, and um, and then that's part of your greatest reward is to is to evolve as a human being. So those are a lot of the the early lessons. Um, she also uh, told me that. Um, a role of a physician, unlike my experience of what I see a lot today, is um, that because of our education, it's possible that we could be aware not only of reasons for suffering and implications of diagnoses vastly beyond what a patient might know, but their job is to heal, and our job is to hold the concern and the worry um, of everything we know about that person, not only of what's possible in terms of moving them forward in their life, but also to diminish uh, concerns that, that are irrational on their part so that they can mobilize um, the vitality in their system to work towards their own best interest. And it's not a function of data. It's not a function of uh, containment by uh, um, diagnosis codes or mm -hmm. uh, or schedules or monetary reward. But um, there's a there's a nobility to um, holding that person in a way only for them to move forward towards towards um, a greater expression of themselves. So that that influenced a lot of it, and then in osteopathy, um, when you know that um, maybe our education can can lead us towards a fulcrum that's mechanical or emotional or mental or spiritual, but it's still not the healing, and the healing is innate. Uh, in us and comes through us, and mm -hmm. um, and we're and we're not the source of that. And um, so then I said, "Oh, um, that's what my mother told me." Without knowing about vitality or or vital force or mm -hmm. um, or even um, or even health for that, you know, what, how we might define health. Yeah. Um, there's but but she just knew that um, something happened by, by human contact with other people mm -hmm. that um, led to them being better, better people. Yeah, and you mentioned in your story as well, a departure from medicine and an arrival to osteopathy and your physician throughout. So can you perhaps offer some distinction between your envisioning of those, right? Because we know in the United States, right, DOs and MDs are both fully licensed physicians. And what does that mean to depart from medicine and become, you know, an osteopath and, yeah. and still be a physician in all those roles. I think, I think a lot of it has to do for, for one in osteopathy. First thing that there's a concept, you know, a lot of it has to do with the tenets of osteopathy, you know, for one that um, to really recognize what, what unity of function is and that, that structure and function are, you know, just like, Mind, body, and spirit are not three aspects of one whole, but structure and function are not aspects of one whole. That we're actually an organism that's a, that's a structure and a function that are 100% of each. And 
what does that mean? You know, what, what, what's the pursuit of that? And that the idea that health is an entity which is not the absence of symptoms or not the absence of disease or the absence of discomfort, but there actually is a thing called health that's active and it's always aspiring towards a full expression of, of the promise of that person from conception that, um, that from the time we're conceived that there's, it's built into the organism to want to fulfill a destiny and that, um, and that the mystery of life would be pursuing what might that destiny be as opposed to what I think for a lot of people, they live their life saying, this was my life. And what I tell my patients is that's what you were fated, that that's what you're shown. It turned out that way, but there's something deeper and stronger and vaster that was promised before that wound happened. And that's your destiny. And that we're clueless about other than it moves and it, it has a drive and we can keep expanding and we can keep moving towards an expression of the health that that's in our life. So for me, um, in a certain way, not to be pejorative, but, um, I'll, what a lot of times I feel that there's no inherent philosophy in allopathic medicine. Um, allopathic medicine goes to war with a, with a perception of something undesirable in a human organism, whereas the idea that there's a purpose to living and that's always seeking its greatest expression. And the homeostatic principle is always working at its best level. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's always working at the highest level that it's afloat. Um, and then that changes everything because um, if we know that already, What's the role of physician? The role of physician isn't to heal somebody or, um, or give them something that they're missing, but we can't give them anything that we know isn't there. And it's all there. And so now the mystery is, as a physician, how do we facilitate um, a person fulfilling their destiny and not, not getting out of this discomfort of the moment or um or the story that they tell about why they're suffering but mm -hmm. it's so much bigger than that we're we we were created for a purpose and 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 we're on a path to to discover what that is mm -hmm. so that's a whole different approach to patient care you know mm -hmm. that i i um you know, thank God there's medicines, there's medicines and there's science and, you know, there, we have antibiotics and we have surgery and, but these are moments in time, but not in the process of living. And osteopathy, I think, because we know that things move and things are always moving and, and maybe motion itself is a expression of how life manifests and how health manifests. And so life is a living process and not, not a, definable um, or contained uh, definition. And to me, the, the nature of allopathic medicine would be the very nature would be to put it in a compartment and see how to alter the compartment. And 
um, that is amazing. That, that's amazing uh, what science, as it progresses, can alter the contents in a department, in a compartment. But then once that's altered, what's left behind is still the process that the person mm-hmm. started at conception until they die and beyond death. And so in that regard, um, osteopathy reflects life and, and expansivity um, and a promise and a hope um, and not definition and constriction and containment and, um, um, and, and um, disengagement from, from uh, how somebody's living their own process. They're within their own, um, their own living process. And to see it that way, um, to, to be liberated again, to, to be free, to live their life. So that's a worthy pursuit as a physician. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm curious, so as you, you know, have been inspired to write this book and continue your lifelong learning and shift the way you're engaging with patients, how you see yourself for the health of all things, right? Knowing that health has its own opportunity for exploration. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the best answer I can share about that is that we're all on the same journey. And um, it's my belief that we come from eternity and, and, we, and we're living in, in a disenfranchised state of knowing that we're living an eternal existence, which is a lot of the um, underlying why we suffer is because we um, are in a state of not knowing that we're connected and in love with the oneness of all things in the first place. And we, we reference our individuality, our ego, or we, we reference this, which by nature in our world removes us from the context of all of our needs are actually fulfilled. Um, um, are, we're built for that. So the suffering of the initial wound of, of being in a material existence leads to a suffering that underlies all existence. And then we live our life and tell stories that we associate suffering with a cause, which does. You break a bone, you, you get diabetes, whatever happens. But we know it as suffering because it's the precondition of all of our life. And so um, if people knew the context of their suffering, that, that they themselves are not only so much bigger than that, and their identity is so much bigger than that. And the game of life is so much bigger than what they've come to identify as themselves. Um, not only would it put them hopefully more resonant with the promise of conception, but also in itself set a context for their suffering so that they can be free to draw on more aspects of life um, for their own healing and, and get back to the, the game, which is so much bigger than I want to feel better or, or um, I don't want to have this pain or I, I have this, um, you know, I'm suffering in my relationship. But it's like, yes, it's all true. 
but it's much bigger than that. And osteopathy has that promise because we palpate something that's more primitive and much bigger than the individual. Mm -hmm. And that's the consistent thing. So you get in the game of that stream instead of the game of, um, what am I going to do today? No, mm -hmm. the stream is uh, you're alive and uh, all the possibilities that can come out of that, that, that mm -hmm. potential. Um, so in that regard, I think I only, my way, I'm, I'm an old, an old practitioner. Mm -hmm. um, my way is one person at a time, you know, and if, mm -hmm. if I, if I can influence one person at a time and they can realize um, kindness and compassion and love and um, peace in their life. And then that'll ripple and ripple and ripple. And that's the best I know how to do. I'm, I'm shy and I'm not a, um, like this is my first podcast ever. <laughs> public speaking to a, yeah. you know, and, and uh, it's not my way and, and, but one at a time. So that's, yeah. that's my way. Maybe more with the book. And so do tell people where they can find you. If you have a website oh. or patients, you know, who might be proximal to you geographically and how to access your book. Yeah. So, um, um, my practice is just south of San Francisco in San Mateo, California. And I do have a website, Mel Friedman Dio. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I, I think one of my patients made that for me. I haven't looked at it in a long time. But, but the book, which really chronicles a lot of what you asked me um, more in depth about my mother and, and my transformation from, I actually had from starting in high school that went well past into my marriage, uh, um, 20 years of depression, that osteopathy and um, service um, led to a lot of the resolution of that and how that all came together in osteopathy and what osteopathy is. And hopefully, you know, if anything to provide hope, you know, to people and a, a light to pre-meds and um, medical mm -hmm. students to, to orient them. But that's um, where spirit touches matter. And that's available on Amazon. That's the easiest place mm -hmm. to find that under my name. Thank you so much for sharing your debut podcast moment here with us and your story and the opportunity to inspire us back to wholeness. Thank you so much. I, I, I hope uh, it has some sense to it and uh, coherence. Yeah. And, and I, I, um, it's been a pleasure meeting you. And I'm, I'm, really, I'm really honored that I was allowed to speak with you. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. Look forward uh, to hearing more of your story. Great. Thank you, too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic Life, Conversations for the Health of All Things. Please take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at This Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for listening.